Hello, everybody, and welcome to Friends of the Force, a Star Wars podcast. I am your host, Brad Whipple. Joining me today on the show to talk about all the recent Star Wars news, as well as get into a full spoiler discussion on the most recently released book, Poe Dameron Freefall. First up on the show is the regular Sarah Haas. Hello, hello. It is I. I am back. Um, How are you doing today? I'm doing all right. We've got an interesting conversation ahead, so I'm yes. gearing up for it. Absolutely. And also joining us on the show today, very, very exciting. First timer on Friends of the Four. Super happy to have him on the show, Kyle Larson from Star Wars Newsnet. How's it going, Kyle? I'm doing good. How are you both doing? It's uh, it's great to be here. Yeah, doing well. Super excited. Oh, so right. we just had a pretty interesting Disney earnings call, I, I suppose, but uh, it was fun. I was listening to it in the car on my way home from the dentist. Uh, finally got my teeth cleaned, feeling all sparkly clean for this podcast. Oh, yeah, and, that's why I uh, can't see, because they're blinding me. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'm so flattered. But it was interesting. I was just kind of nodding my head in the card, all the big numbers they were saying. And I was like, oh, $5 billion loss? That sounds bad. I don't know what that means in terms of many other things. But uh, it was interesting. Not much Star Wars news. They talked about The Mandalorian still premiering in October, which was news from back in February from. Bob, Bob Iger, but uh, I'm going to be honest, I really miss Bob Iger on these calls because I feel like he would always just kind of go on the Iger train, you know, and just start saying random stuff, like leaking things that shouldn't be leaked, like back in 2018 when he was like, Solo is coming out and you're going to find out how Han Solo got his name. And everyone's like, wait, does he mean literally how he got his name? Or like, is he just saying like, you know, reputation wise? Uh, so I missed him. I felt his absence uh, during this call. What did you guys think of the earnings call or from what you had heard about it? I mean, I followed along on Twitter and the main thing coming out of it was the Mulan $30 um, on Disney Plus news, which is a little steep for me, but um, that's all I have to say about this particular call. I'm kind of glad there was no Star Wars news. I've got a lot of other things going on this week. I didn't need that. (laughs) Yeah, I, I did the same thing, as, uh, Sarah. I, I just kind of followed along on, on Twitter. And um, I've actually never listened to one of the calls, but I, I, do, uh, I, I do wish when I found out it wasn't, you know, Bob number one, and it was kind of Bob number three A <laughs> or whatever. Um, that's not, sorry, that's not very nice. But I was, yeah, I was, I was hoping for a little riffing like that or to hear about that. So Mulan seems to be the talk of the town. Let's say, let's say, uh, a Star Wars movie was being released this September. Would you pay $30 video on demand to watch it in addition to your Disney Plus subscription? You know, I'd like to say like, oh, I wonder, you know, it depends what Star Wars movie it I probably would. Yeah. But I'd probably pay $30 um to to watch it. I guess it, so it's to rent it, right? It's not to you don't own it. It's yeah, like I think a so. 72-hour window of rental or something like that. It's an interesting price point because a lot of other video on demands are like $20. So to kind of add that premium $10 buffer to it is an interesting competitive choice. At the same time, you know, a lot of theaters are just so pricey. You know, you can you can spend $30 on concessions for like two people really easily. Yeah. So I think it'll be nice for families that are like really big. Like if you have you know, four to five kids and two adults that are going to the movies that that can cost upwards of, you know, like $75, $80 potentially more, more than that, yeah. honestly, especially when you got to buy food for all those people. Um, I think it's as you have 
people like me who go to the movies alone, <laughs> that's where it gets a little pricey because $30 for a movie when that's like, you know, the price of a Regal membership is is a lot, but we'll see. Yeah, I would say that for me personally, as somebody who is cheap and paid for my AMC A-list subscription and would bring my own water and snacks, that's a very expensive for me. But then again, Mulan is not Star Wars. And I think the question you posed to Kyle Brad about Star Wars, yeah, I would, I would, it's a little bias, I guess. I would probably pay for it (laughs) because, um, I don't want to be out of the know in, in the fandom community, you know, if, if nothing else. Yeah. So, and maybe it's the fact too, that Mulan is like a remake of an original cartoon. We already know the story too. So maybe there's an element of that where it's kind of, it's something that'll be familiar and kind of a nice, uh, a nice nostalgia movie, right? So it's like, do I really need to pay $30 to see it, you know, opening week? Or can I just wait a while? So I think that's probably floating around in some heads where you don't really risk the, the spoiler conversation. So it is interesting, but I wonder if it could have any longer term implications for, for Star Wars and maybe some sort of Star Wars premium content that eventually goes on Disney+. Plus. So who knows? I think I saw a tweet from somebody, I can't remember who it was, but it was an industry writer who said something like, you know, now that they're doing this with Mulan, it, you know, you can't really put the genie back in the bottle type thing. Because yeah. If this is really successful, a lot of other studios are going to be like, hey. Yeah. Lots so we'll of changes see. are happening in Hollywood from COVID-19. So it will uh, movie going will not look the same. So I think something like Mulan will eventually affect Star Wars. So we shall see. But speaking of money, if you would like to listen to the rest of this podcast, you must Venmo me $30 also. That's what it'll cost you to listen to this. This is Anyways, premium we're move content. On from premium, premium. Premium content. Can't get this anywhere else, folks. Where else can you listen to us three talk about all things Star Wars? Let's move on to some recent news. So it's been a while since we've talked about news on the podcast. Mostly been very interview heavy recently and, and review heavy. So there's been quite a bit that's happened. The Probably the most prominent news announcement was the bad batch series was announced so that is coming next year on disney plus in 2021 and it's going to follow the bad batch and a quote rapidly changing galaxy in the aftermath of the clone war so it's pretty interesting that we're going to explore these characters it's going to be executive produced by dave filoni athena portillo Brad Rao, Jennifer Corbett, Carrie Beck, and Josh Rimes. And Brad Rao is going to be the director and Jennifer Corbett will be the head writer. So a lot of Star Wars Resistance uh, alum, which I love to see. And uh, that show came and went way too quickly. So hopefully those folks can add some of their voice back into the Bad Batch. But Sarah, let's start with you. What did you think of the Bad Batch announcement when you first heard it? So... This does nothing for me. Um, I have seen maybe three or four arcs of all of the Clone Wars. Uh, and so I wouldn't consider myself a big Clone Wars fan or somebody who is really invested in the storylines of these characters or even knowing these characters. So for me, uh, at this point, I'm not really jumping up and down about this news. I am really excited that many of the Resistance executives are back. Though, um, I love, obviously love their work on Resistance and am glad they are employed and busy and working on stuff. Um, 
and you know i hope that this show will end up being really good and um maybe i'll end up watching it at this point you know it feels so far away and it feels so uh intangible i guess um that for me it's kind of just tough to get excited about but um i'm looking forward to hearing more from it and i also would say that um i am looking forward to seeing what women characters will be in this show considering all the clones are the same person <laughs> oh man <laughs> absolutely that's that needs to to happen for sure and you know i think that's a lot of people similar complaints with the mandalorian there weren't too many uh women characters in the first couple episodes it took a little bit to get there um i think sanctuary was really great but it still kind of was not the best uh, in terms of representation so hopefully that comes around for for bad batch but kyle what are your thoughts on on the bad batch i i think you're a pretty big clone wars fan from what i know so what did you think of this announcement yeah um i i really like the clone wars in um i i'm not like I don't follow it. I'm not quite because I think the Clone Wars super fans are like they're really, really into it. And I've probably watched the series once through, uh, you know, one time uh, or all the way through one time. And I'm a little bit like, like, do we really need to spend more time in this period? That's kind of where I'm at. And also what Sarah said, too, is like this really doesn't seem to like open the door for a lot of a lot more female characters. I saw a lot of uh, female like mutuals on Twitter, you know, saying like, okay, like this, what it, like what Sarah said, like, what does this show do for me? Like, what is story is it going to tell that? And I, um, mm -hmm. you know, I'm, I'm going to keep an open mind. I'll definitely check it out when it comes out, but I wasn't like, um, jumping up and screaming when they announced it. Um, and I, I enjoyed that arc, but at the same time in the, this last season that this final season that came out, I thought there were so many other stories or characters that they could have touched on like i can't remember the name of the two sisters but in that metal arc that would have been that would have been a great show or something like that mm -hmm. um so yeah absolutely there's a couple things going on with this show's announcement i feel like there's the thing that you mentioned kyle of do we have to revisit this time period and there is sort of this tendency in star wars to revisit or expand on the things that we already know whether it's solo or rogue one both movies i love um, now the Bad Batch, Kenobi, all these sorts of things, a Cassian Andor series. So it's all kind of things that we are revisiting. So it, it kind of makes you wonder, you know, when will we get some original content that's not just reserved for the books, like a High Republic? You know, I think a, a High Republic animated series would have actually been really cool to complement this whole publishing initiative that's coming out. And when we talk about this like multimedia project to like make Star Wars accessible for new fans. I think that kind of does it because for somebody who's not really familiar with the Clone Wars, they might not be as pulled towards a Bad Batch series because they're like, I don't know who those guys are, but I could be completely wrong. It might invite many new types of characters and types of voices into the show and completely blow us away, as has been the case with Dave Filoni. So I'm kind of under the like trust Dave <laughs> train right now because I've always trusted him and I hope he does right by fans. But to that point, you know, trust is always earned and it can be taken away just as easily. So the second part about it too is this is like the first new animated show we've, we've had announced in quite a while. So it makes me wonder, is this going to be a part of a much larger 
a much larger lineup of shows that are going to be coming down the pipe, right? So are we going to get like two more animated series that are announced soon that are going to be more female focused or, you know, not just so male gazy, male centric. So I think if that's the case, it might be better to announce all those at once to kind of give people options rather than like piecemeal. But do you think that could be the case, Sarah? Like, could we maybe get this as part of a larger animated initiative where we're going to have tons of shows to choose from so even if bad batch isn't your tea there might be something else that you can you can tune into yeah i mean i ultimately believe that's gonna be the case in general there's kind of something for everyone um we know that there's um the leslie headland live action show that is being worked on we know that you know taika's doing something and brian might still be doing something in the movie realm and um you know feige and all these people have things planned and uh, I think it's just tough to see ahead when we do not get the same picture that, um, you know, they have on the inside at Lucasfilm. They know where everything is placed. They know when they're putting things out into the world. But um, I assume there will be more animated shows and I hope that we'll get some new voices and new characters uh, because I know a lot of people are saying, oh, I'm really interested or I think that a Rebels sequel show will happen and that would feature people like Sabine and Ahsoka. And while that's super awesome as well, it still is focusing on the same characters. So I hope that we get right new stuff in the future along with this yeah. Bad Batch series. Some new female characters that people can relate to, not just the same ones, you know, as if they're being recycled because you know we're too afraid to take new to new risks with new characters right to that end you know like bad batch does have some good representation going on behind the scenes like we mentioned but um at the same time you know we can't that can't come at the expense of the on-screen representation so hopefully we'll get some more shows uh coming in the pipe but the the next bit of news that came out was the mandalorian publishing program so i was actually really excited about this as a mandalorian fan i was kind of waiting for so long to get some sort of uh, companion novels or books because I am pretty much a Mandalorian shill and will buy anything and everything <laughs> that has Baby Yoda on it, given by my Funko Pop collection that is on pre-order. <laughs> and this will include a Art of the Mandalorian book, a visual guide by Pablo Hidalgo, some comics uh, from Marvel and IDW, some junior novels, and a Mandalorian original novel written by Adam Christopher, which was supposed to come out on November 15th or so, but it now has been delayed until next fall, which is quite a long time. It's a pretty big delay. So that's, that's unfortunate, but Adam Christopher is in uh, Empire Strikes Back from a certain point of view. So we will hear from him a little sooner than, than later. So, um, Kyle, what did you think of the Mandalorian announcement? Did it kind of take you by surprise since it's, it was so hush-hush for quite a while? And and what did you think of the delay that happened? Yeah, I was surprised. And like you, I, I was I was really surprised leading up to the first season that there wasn't any companion uh, novels or comics because usually they do that with pretty much every project, even video games and theme parks. Um, so this was really a pleasant surprise. And I initially, when I heard about Adam Christopher's novel getting delayed, um, I was I was bummed. But then also, like, you know, I remember there's there's been novels like uh, we're going to talk about Poe Dameron Freefall, and I think the first aftermath novel too were written in kind of a, a flurry, like right after they were announced. And while I did enjoy the first aftermath novel, you can definitely tell that the second the the following novels were 
much more cohesive and told a much, I, I don't know, it just felt like a, a better story. So I'm glad that he's, you know, I don't know how long he's had to work on this. So I, I only think that it's going to give us a better novel, but I am surprised that it's like an entire year pushed back. So, um, but also too, I was surprised. I thought because we didn't get anything for season one, that there just wasn't going to be anything. I thought it would be like, like Favreau and Filoni were, were basically given, you know, like, hey, let us just tell the story. And then once it's finished, do whatever you want. But um, that must mean that, you know, there's, there's, there's something, some part of a big plan that they, they want this. So I think like you, I'm a big Mandalorian shell and anything that they're doing right now, I have complete faith in. So I'm, I'm excited. Yeah. Mandalorian has done the most in terms of like progressive, diverse storytelling and in the sense of like, you have so many different directors, new directors in Star Wars working on this and creating a much larger project. Just that round table uh, of, of yeah. like, you know, Deborah Chow and Rick Famuyiwa and Bryce and Taika. Uh, it was just so excited to see them. So exciting to see them kind of all in one place talking about the series. And uh, I, I love the show so much. But Sarah, I know you're kind of in the middle on The Mandalorian, but does the like books, you think the books excite you a little more for like what's to come, especially because this seems like it will probably include some season two stuff. So I wonder if that caused a little bit of a delay as well. Maybe some secrecy behind uh, the story. So he had to wait a little longer. I'm not sure. Yeah, I mean, I definitely am probably a bit more in the middle about The Mandalorian. Overall, I enjoyed it, but some were definitely a lot more hit and some were definitely a lot more miss in terms of the episodes. And I have some overall criticisms of it, but I love books. So I was really excited to hear about The Mandalorian uh, novel and to hear about this publishing program because who doesn't love an art of book? I love those books. They are the best um truly so i was looking forward to that and um the novel and again was surprised to hear like kyle and like you brad to hear that the novel got pushed a whole year Mm -hmm. i know that there's been a lot of shifting in the publishing industry because of covid and just how they're having to remarket books and think about sales um and that sort of thing when you can't really go out to the bookstore uh, as often um so it's definitely been interesting to see be- books being pushed around, but to see this one jump a whole year when it seems like the rest of the publishing program is staying put is interesting to me. Uh, and maybe it means we will get more novels, perhaps of different levels, whether it be like YA or middle grade as well um, in 2021. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm really excited, though, for the art of book because the concept art from this show is really, really interesting. And I will definitely pick up a comic from the libraries. So, I mean, I love I love learning more about it. And I'm definitely interested in season two and looking forward to it and what it has to offer. So this is all exciting to me. And um, hopefully the Mandalorian novel in 2021 um, will be really fantastic. And I think, Kyle, you made a great point when you said um, the first novel's out the gate after a big project uh, versus giving them time to breathe and time to develop as a story. I will always take a, a, a more laid out book that had time to be developed than something that is rushed to get out the door as quickly as possible. Because I think, you know, if you're going to give me a, a really good book a year from now, I will wait, you know. And Del Rey's been killing it. I got to say, like, their books have been so good. They, 
I don't I can't think of like their last miss right now at this point. So um, I, I have I have faith in the publishing department. And, you know, by this time next year, when we're reading the Mandalorian novel. We'll have already gotten our hands on all the High Republic nonsense and that will be a lot of fun. So it's it's a good time for for publishing. That's for sure. And we'll talk more on uh, some other books uh, later on with the Poe discussion. So it's going to be going to be a lot of fun. And the the last bit here is Tales from the Galaxy's Edge. So this is a new uh, this is a new ILM X Lab virtual reality game that's coming to Oculus Quest. So it's going to be an exclusive game featuring Bobby Moynihan and Deborah Wilson. So Bobby obviously is a Star Wars Resistance alum, and uh, Deborah Wilson played Seer in Jedi Fallen Order. So it's really awesome to see her coming back to play Tara. Rasheen, a Quarren pirate who leads the Guavian Death Gang on Batu, which like sounds terrifying. And I really kind of <laughs> want to buy an Oculus Quest for this because I want to get chased by Deborah Wilson. Uh, <laughs> and there's also going to be a Art of Galaxy's Edge book by Amy Ratcliffe, who was on the show recently. So go check out that interview if you could. But that's really exciting. As we said, Sarah, we love a good art of book. Like they are so good all the time. I love the concept art for things, even for the rise of Skywalker, which I did not like uh, whatsoever. I still really enjoyed the art of book because seeing some of those concept arts of like Kylo Ren on Coruscant facing down some wolves, I was like, holy shit, that looks awesome. Uh, that's, that's so cool. So like, what else could we get from, from some of these art of books that are coming out? But have you guys done any of these like virtual reality things before does it make you nauseous kind of makes me a little nauseous a little bit it makes me nauseous i've i really really wanted to do vader immortal because that story just sounded incredible to me but i couldn't even watch it on youtube because mm. i get i've since i've been a i was a child i, I get really really bad motion sickness yeah. so it's brutal um, yeah i um would love to do the vr stuff but the last time i checked an oculus quest is a couple of bucks. It's not inexpensive if you don't have it, you know, uh, already. So one day, one day I'll do them, um, but not <laughs> today and not tomorrow. <laughs> that's a lot of money. I just Googled it. Oh, yeah. Wow. Yeah. They're... Yeah. That's a good point, Sarah. <laughs> yeah. And cheap. I think kind of the, I saw, perhaps I saw a tweet or perhaps they were marketing it a little bit as, you know, because you can't necessarily go to Galaxy's Edge right now, you can get Galaxy's Edge at home. And it's like, well, if the if the device that allows me to participate in this is $500, then what really is the cost difference here? Um, so, yeah, there's no kind of inexpensive route. But I hope it's great. Love Bobby Oynihan. Love Deborah Wilson. They're both great in their respective other Star Wars things. And I think the story sounds really good and really... Um, exciting uh but it's just not in my future at this point yeah uh that's like the one time i could have tried it was star wars celebration last last year i think they had like the vader immortal booth but the line was always super long so i would imagine they would have had one of those for for this galaxy's edge thing at star wars celebration anaheim uh which unfortunately is not happening anymore and i'm really still sad about it it's it would have been happening in like two weeks is that crazy? Like we would have been leaving. I don't, Carl, were you going the celebration this year? Or were you planning on it? I wasn't going this year, but I, I feel really, really bad for folks who uh, I I've been following people who were going to go, and yeah, feel bad that people can't 
Can't make it's a sad it. time. I can't buy Sarah Denny's at like 2 a.m. now. I'm really bummed about it. We have been planning this for like a year, and now it's going to have to wait <laughs> two more years. Listen, so. everybody everybody listening, when Star Wars Celebration happens, there's going to be a Friends of the Force meetup at Denny's. Mark your calendars for three years from now, uh, two years from now, if I do math right. Uh, econ major, woo. Uh, so yeah, that's going to happen. <laughs> I'll buy everybody Grand Slams. I count, count on it. So yeah. I'm coming too. Yes. Oh, great. <laughs> Kyle, you're invited also. Here we go. <laughs> We're going to get Grand Slams. It's going to be great. So many pancakes. Unlimited pancakes, as Palpatine would say. Well, that is pretty much all of the news recently. So we're going to kind of transition here to our discussion on Poe Dameron Free For All by Alex Segura. If you want to know more of our thoughts on the the book, this would be a good time to tune in. And uh, we're going to kind of run through our overall impressions, kind of what worked and what didn't work, what's to come with maybe some of these sequel trilogy characters and what we maybe hope to see in the in the future. So. That being said, your final warning for Poe Dameron Freefall. And now we're going right into it. Woo. All right. Welcome, everybody, to our conversation on Poe Dameron Freefall, written by Alex Segura and released by Disney Publishing. So we're going to be talking about all things spoiler heavy, and we are so uh, excited, uh, trepidatious <laughs> to talk about this book. That's a big word. Nice job, Brad. So the synopsis for this book is called, Fancy it says words. here, I know, it's, it's great. I, don't, I think I know what that <laughs> word means. The synopsis is, it's been a few years since Poe's mother passed away, and Poe and his father, who was a pilot for the rebellion, have had more and more trouble connecting. Not sure what he wants to do with his life, teenage Poe runs away from home to find adventure and to figure out what kind of man he is meant to be. This, this book I have some thoughts about it, and I think, Sarah, you have some thoughts as well, so I'm going to start with you, but um, what are your overall thoughts on uh, Poe Dameron Freefall to start? You should not have started with me. Um, <laughs> oh, we should have. <laughs> uh, this might be my least favorite book in canon. I have a really tough relationship with this book. I was interested in it, but not going, oh, this is the story we need right now. Um, but I was curious to read it because I do like Poe as a character and I find him really fun and interesting and really appreciate how he's kind of been shaped into this leader of the, rebel- or of the resistance um, kind of through TLJ and Tross. So that's really interesting to me. Um, the spice running was not what I expected out of his character arc. Didn't really feel why this book was necessary, and I don't really feel like it gave us more about Poe, but was rather here to be a book to explain the thing in the movie. Um, I can't say that I enjoyed it very much. There were moments that I did enjoy, and there were character moments that I really, I really liked, and things that I thought could have been shaped and shifted and been really good. But as it stands, the book was a miss for me. Mm-hmm. I really like what you said there about how it felt more like a book to explain the thing that was in the movie rather than a book about Poe. Um, I hadn't put it into those words just yet, but you that's exactly how I feel, like spot on. So really well said there. Kyle, what are your thoughts? Uh, I know you, you read it a little bit ago. You just reread it recently. 
so you've you've had like two reads of it did you kind of pick up anything new on your second read did your thoughts sort of change on the book um how, how are you feeling about it um yeah and i agree that sarah nailed it with uh you nailed it with that <laughs> it, it does i remember when i first when it was first announced that's kind of what i thought too i was like oh they're trying to explain this and um i I didn't really pick up anything new and I'm not trying to sound mean or anything just because I don't, this book isn't very deep. Not that like it needs to be, you know, the great American novel or anything, but it just, there's, it's a very surface story. And Alex uh, Segura is really good at writing action. Like the action scenes are well-written, but it's in, but I don't really go to Star Wars for that. Um, it was like uh, Sarah said, you know, Poe's a really, he is an interesting character and I, I did enjoy his arc, but he's also, he's had a great deal of material dedicated to him, which, you know, he's got his, he had his own comic series. Uh, he was pretty much at the forefront of both the novels leading into The Rise of Skywalker. And, um, you know, he's had a, a pretty good run. So I was, I was also really confused kind of why they were just, why this novel was just dropping. And I didn't really pick up anything new except i really did you know <clears throat> i enjoyed a lot of uh moments that zori was there and i do really like um Sela troon who was the um the new republic uh security officer who's kind of tracking them down but uh, yeah i wasn't i wasn't thrilled with this with this novel either um so that's kind of where i'm at with it yeah, there were some there were some good and bad aspects for me more not so great but, you know, I'm, I'm glad, I'm definitely glad, like, you know, Alex Segura got to write his, his Star Wars and um, it just, it kind of had some promise, like right in the beginning, I felt like he was really getting at something, especially with more of the, the family relationships between Poe and Cass and the, like what that looked like in the absence of their mother, his mother. And that really was kind of what I was the most interested in, but then it, goes on this kind of wild bantha chase of, all right, now we're in the spice running gang and, uh, you know, we're making a lot of time jumps and, you know, now a couple months have passed and you're like, well, what happened in those couple of months? I want to know what that looked like, you know? So we don't necessarily get all of the steps of Poe's psyche as he goes through this. It's more of a, uh, almost like a checklist and a, a rapid progression of like, you know, mission, betrayal, escape mission question if he made the right choice kind of rinse and repeat sort of uh pattern which I, I fell into that very quickly and i almost started to find myself skimming in some parts which i i wasn't you know i i don't, I don't typically do that with star wars books but that's where i was kind of getting to but sarah did you want to give maybe a sort of uh overview of what happened in the book um just kind of like a large scale picture for listeners who kind of want to get the lowdown on what they might have missed um some of maybe just the big key elements of the of the story yeah so basically this book takes place when poe is 16 um his mother shara bay died when he was eight and so he and his father have been um living in a state of grief and a state of um butting heads since then and they are having trouble processing uh their grief even many years after the loss of Shara Bay. And uh, Poe is a, a teen who's pretty angsty and he's got a lot of feelings and wants to go see the world. And so he gets an opportunity at, at a cantina um, at the, the port 
and decides to join this this group. Um, and this group is the Spice Runners of Kajimi, which is their actual title, which I found to be interesting. Um, <laughs> <laughs> it's pretty on the nose. Um, As opposed but, to the Spice Runners of uh, Naboo, which are no, all Gungan, just... all Gungans. <laughs> I want Gungan Spice Runners, is what I'm saying. Oh, I want that book. <laughs> <laughs> that would be fascinating because Naboo, very interesting place. Anyway, Misa gonna steal your spice. <laughs> <laughs> back to this book anyways um uh, in this group of people zori is among them and she is also about the same age uh 16 and uh they need a pilot so that's where poe comes in and essentially they train up within um the spice runners uh in order to become full-fledged members of the spice runners they go through some trials uh and and uh near misses and during this time um there is an or a new republic officer called selatrun as kyle mentioned and she has a personal vendetta a personal reason why she wants to um find the spice runners they killed her family so she's gotta she's gotta go avenge them so kes is looking for poe and sella is looking for poe and eventually um Poe becomes a full-fledged member. We find out that Sorry Bliss is Sorry Bliss. Um, there is a big plot that kind of gets foiled by Poe um, towards the end. And then Poe makes the decision to uh, essentially leave and the Spice Runners and go on his next journey. And I think that is the best popcorn plot I've ever done. <laughs> Even though I didn't popcorn. Let me just say, if there is one redeeming aspect of this book, it is definitely Poe Dameron drunk in a bar on a random backwater planet, watching a speech of Leia Organa in the Senate, and then deciding to join the resistance right then and there. What a great decision to make while under the influence, Poe. Great job. Honestly, one of my favorite parts of the entire book, because I think it made a really meaningful connection um, and, and, and put together these two different pieces of... Um, this time period uh, being, you know, the formation of this new government and um, Leia still being this figure uh, that the galaxy knows. Mm-hmm. And also the other side, the solo smuggling, spice running, adventuring kind of side of Star Wars. And I thought that that was actually a, a really good way to put the connective tissue between those two worlds. Absolutely. It almost goes to show too, like no matter your circumstance, you could be in the right place at the right time, right? So I, I think that is very much one of the, the core themes of this book is, is choice and circumstance. So I think many of the different characters sort of feel like they're stuck where they are. Even Sela Troom growing up, we get an idea of how she felt stuck and she wanted to join the New Republic and how Zori kind of feels stuck. You know, is her path already laid out for her? She kind of questions that throughout the book. Poe Dameron feeling stuck. Am I ever going to seek adventure like my mom and even Kess Dameron? feeling stuck because his wife is now gone and everything that he does reminds him of her and it almost hurts too much to to do anything so he almost is just like this very like distant removed life that he's trying to live kyle do you see that as sort of the main theme of the book just boiling down to like your choice and will your choice ever truly get taken away from you despite your circumstances or do you always have a choice to to do something to make a difference yeah absolutely um i i 
I I did feel like that too because it's um yeah you are seeing all these people who you know they they feel like yeah like they get stuck at several points and then when they do have these moments where they can kind of go in one direction or the other that's like that's kind of the ultimate like dilemma for them is because they don't really know what to do like you said you know that's a repeating thing for Poe and you also you know you do run into characters too who are very determined seem very determined and very determined to be on their path but then that gets disrupted at certain points in the book and that's that's an interesting thing that that I felt that happened too um yeah it was um I wasn't crazy about the book, but like there are lots of little snapshots like that and lots of little character moments that, you know, they they didn't really flow together very well. But, you know, when when those things when he kind of when Segura nailed those things, I feel like he did it really well. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And I, I do feel like the beginning and the end of the book are the strongest, relatively speaking. Um, the mm-hmm. middle part does get kind of fuzzy in terms of it, it's sort of all feels jumbled together and like I really don't get the like full idea of like where we're going or what we're doing or what we're trying to achieve but um it does like really right in that beginning hit you with some emotion of like Poe lost his mom and he's screaming at his dad he runs out the door and like we've maybe we've all been there at some point in our lives where we've um said things that we can't necessarily take back or have gotten angry and that's a relatable feeling. And then to um, realize that, like, even if those things happen, you, you know, your your destiny is not like predetermined for you. You can uh, you can find uh, you can find redemption in a way, you know, and you can you can make the choice to be better. And that's a, a theme that's later found in Resistance Reborn is the choice to do better and be better. And that's something Poe has to continually learn throughout his life. Right. So even though he's making this choice now to to maybe, you know, jump in a cockpit and blow stuff up and save the galaxy. And that's what he talks about when he's on death's door. Uh, when Ziva, who is Zori's mom is facing him down and about to kill him basically. And he he thinks to himself, his only regret now wasn't the choice that he had made, but not having the chance to make more choices to return home, to join the cause his parents had helped to find to fight for something other than his own selfish thrill seeking. And his selfish thrill-seeking, again, does kind of come back <laughs> when he joins the Resistance. But the Resistance as a whole is for a much larger cause. Yeah, I felt a lot of, like, in the beginning, too, I, I felt a lot of echoes of kind of that that wanderlust that we saw in Luke Skywalker and that we saw in Rey. So I thought it was interesting because we never really saw that with Poe when we met him in the sequel trilogy. He's already this very like confident. He 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 kind of knows who he is. You know that gets rattled a bit as the trilogy goes on, but you know it's it's interesting to see him here kind of stuck and wanting more, not even knowing really what that is. I mean, he's never even piloted a ship out of orbit when we meet him, but just kind of willing to like th- go head first into um, the slipstream of adventure. So that that aspect uh, was was nice nice to see that. Sarah, what would you say is the the core theme of this book? Did you did you pull all this idea of choice uh, from it, or was there something else that kind of stuck with you? Yeah, I mean, I wouldn't say that I came out of the book necessarily thinking about the themes. Um, unfortunately, like that wasn't where my focus mm-hmm. was in this book. But as we've been discussing it, I would say that choice is definitely the piece here. Um, throughout the book. Poe is talking to Zori about um, running away and 
going together. Uh, they make a good team. And there's definitely desire to continue to adventure and to, to make a choice to make a choice, um, if that makes sense. Um, and so I, I think the choices and why we make the choices that we do, I've said choices like 80 times in the <laughs> 60 seconds I've been speaking, but, um, but yeah, but the why behind that and what's driving us to go a certain way. And I think we see that throughout um, this book with regards to Poe, his initial wanderlust and wanting to fly and wanting to be like his mom, wanting to connect with her to I've seen part of this world and there are like part of the galaxy and there are atrocities that I just can't get away from. And then seeing larger than life figures and then deciding that that's where it's all clicking as if, you know, this galaxy is so big, but this person is speaking directly to me and I can make this choice to do something different. Um, so I definitely see that as the, the core idea here. The one thing I will say is that it, it, felt, it, it felt like it took too long for Poe <laughs> to discover the Spice Runners were bad and not necessarily <laughs> the most just people in the world. That was maybe like one of my complaints for the, the novel, but I think it did really click when he saw those people in the, the underbelly of that ship you know, shackled to the floor and the wall and him realizing they were being trafficked across the galaxy and he wants to kill the the guy that's in charge of that ship and Zori's like, well, you know, what what's really going to happen if you do that? It's just another person will will kind of spring up in his place and take over and the galaxy isn't... Uh, she says to Poe, this is how things work out here on the edges of the galaxy. There's no black and white answers or simple choices. It's all gray and complicated. You can't just swoop in, play hero, and leave. You have to live in this world. And for me, I really saw that as the the clicking point for him because he realized, uh, yeah, I can be a hero. I can swoop in and and save people. And we see what that ends up doing in The Last Jedi. It costs many lives, dead heroes, as as Leia would say. But I, I think this that's maybe the one defining moment, the one moment that I maybe felt something for in the book the most was that. And I wish it was explored a little bit more with how he dealt with uh, seeing that afterwards. But ultimately, we do see it results in him him leaving the Spice Runners. But yeah, I I think that just that idea of having this ship where there are dozens upon dozens of people being trafficked across the galaxy was a really bold idea. It's horrible. Um, yeah. In a in a kind of terrible way, but in a in a good way for Star Wars because we look at the Phantom Menace and. Shmi and Anakin were slaves. Uh, this is a thing within the Star Wars galaxy that is a, a genuine issue. And so I think bringing it back up in, in this book in the way that it did um, and the conversation that they had around that about that pilot was um, really interesting. And I think this is one of the points where they did a time skip where they said, oh, he took them to the next place and now it's been six months later. I really wish we would have gotten more of those ideas because I think that there was so much there. And I did remember reading that and, or when I did read that, I thought, oh, this is, this is hard hitting. You know, there's, there's something there, but we just don't, we don't dig into it in the way that mm-hmm. I, I wish had happened. Yeah. I think that's where the book falls short. Absolutely. Kyle, did that, that scene impact you heavily when you read it and, and did that stick with you? Oh yeah. Yeah. And I, I think, that you both make good points too is like that you know that 
that that exists in the galaxy that needs to be talked about and it's been kind of skirted over especially with sarah you bring up a great example about shmi and anakin i mean that's a horrific situation that we find them in and they're just kind of like oh we're slaves you know and that that shouldn't be discounted and i i do there is one part of the aspect of the book that i do like is that it didn't it didn't sugarcoat any of the unpleasantness in the galaxy, mm-hmm. any of the kind of criminal criminality. Like there wasn't anything romantic about it. It was ugly and it was, it affected, you know, people like Poe who saw that and, and they, they weren't just going to be like, Oh, we're on to the next thing even, but, um, but kind of relating to that, I think the time skips at, that happen at moments like these, it seems like kind of impactful moments for the reader really didn't do this book any favors it Mm -hmm. just was kind of like you know we get about five days worth of events that take place i think it's eight months by the time that we've uh you know kind of reached the end of the book absolutely there there are things in this book it's like you're right there it's like that's a little gold nugget you could really explore and then it kind of just gets lost in the rest of the spice running so um maybe at some point we'll get more of these concepts explored i would love to see more about like slave liberation in the star wars galaxy because it never truly happened uh in the way that anakin skywalker wanted to to go and free the slaves on tatooine you know and even something like the stormtroopers and the first order troopers who are enslaved so that concept is very prominent in star wars and i would love to see that like you said kyle uh explored upon at some point i I kept thinking that um like a a book like this with uh, about Jana and the other first order troopers that would have been a fantastic story for not not a book maybe a book that's a little more cohesive that was written took a little bit longer to write um but i feel like that would be a great story to tell along those lines too i hadn't thought of that but that's a great idea yeah i think that the story of that crew within tross um of all of these uh you know liberated first order troopers who took life into their own hands and and really did something to change it would have been really exciting. And again, as you mentioned earlier, Kyle, Poe has gotten a lot of content, a lot of books, comics. He's featured heavily in in this trilogy uh, throughout the kind of different mediums. And uh, I would love to see them branch out if we're going to talk about other characters in the sequel trilogy and talk about Finn and talk about Janna, mm-hmm. talk about my girl Rose, you know, um, characters Rose. that I, Rose, my yeah. girl, um, I love her. <laughs> um, but like, there are other characters other than Poe. Um, and I did want to say earlier is they also talk about um, slavery and slave liberation in Master and Apprentice. Uh, that's yes, kind of the other book right. where yep. that is, is discussed because there's the moon. Um, I totally forgot often. about that. Yeah, that's a huge part of that book. And Queen's mm-hmm. Shadow slightly as well, because that's that's primarily what Sabe's mission in Tol- Tolvin, mm-hmm. uh, their mission becomes yeah. on Tatooine, kind of in the background. So that's and that's being in the yeah, background. kind of followed yeah. up right now in the new Darth Vader series that Greg mm-hmm. Pack is writing. He's taken Sabe's the kind of cliffhanger that we got at, at Queen's Shadow, and that story's kind of being told a bit. So yeah. they even reference that, that one of their biggest regrets is they couldn't go back to Tatooine with Padme and free all the slaves. Yeah. Oh, my heart. I know. Yeah. My heart. Don't get me started about Padme. <laughs> um. uh, whole <laughs> other Rose. podcast. Whole other podcast. So, yeah. hey, you guys got four more hours? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, I, I think this was actually a really productive discussion about the theme of of choice and all the stuff that we're discussing and i didn't actually think we would get that 
<laughs> deep into it, but um, it grows my appreciation for the book slightly more. And um, I think that's what will really be my biggest takeaway. But speaking of some other takeaways, what I'd like to do is talk about what did and didn't work specifics uh, about this book. So let's start with uh, one of the didn't works. I kind of like to mishmash them so they're not all uh, hitting at once, positively or negatively. But uh, for me, what didn't work is uh, the continuation of dead moms in Star Wars. Within the first three pages, we, we find out Shara died. And that for me was kind of just not great whatsoever. And there seems to be this kind of continuing pattern of of mothers dying in Star Wars and never getting to like live their lives out full. To my knowledge, the only mother that has a happy ending is Harrison Dula. Not not even relatively because she loses her her other half in in Kanan, but um, Vanessa Doza in Star Wars Resistance. Right, that's like the most complete family that we get in Star Wars. That truly ends something hugging each other celebratory in a celebratory manner like being very happy so but we lose leia we lose padme we lose Amparu, we lose shmi uh, we, we lose all these motherly characters in star wars and it kind of makes me feel like for what you know why is it always just the default for the father like the father issues in star wars right or, or like dealing with the father I'm just kind of wondering like why this continues to happen. And I, I want a story eventually that, that has the mother feature prominently because I don't think we should shy away from male characters, especially having emotion. And I think this book is so focused on Poe being a man and uh, being mas- hyper-masculine. And it kind of goes away from some of the more feminine traits that he probably picked up from his mom. And it just becomes very much about adventure and uh, being a scoundrel and all these things while not necessarily like uh, expanding on those themes right in the beginning of him sitting in his mother's cockpit and flying the A-wing the a- as she holds his hand. Like that is such an emotional scene to read on page, but it's just never expounded on. Let them live. Let the moms live. Let the women live. Um, I really thought we were getting somewhere with Leia in The Last Jedi specifically. Um, and, you know, Carrie Fisher's passing obviously has a role to play in that. Uh, but I don't really feel that we got the awesome mom moment that we could have gotten in The Rise of Skywalker. Uh, and so to see that the first 40 pages of this book or so were just like, we're in grief and we've been in grief for the past eight years and we're really grumpy with each other because we don't know how to deal with one another. It's just frustrating, especially because we didn't get any of Charbet in this book. And I have read the Poe Dameron comic. I have read Resistance Reborn, but I haven't read the main Star Wars line, which is where I believe that um, Kess and Charbet show up. Um, yeah, in the I'm... newest Charles, Charles Soule run. Um, yeah. And they're, and they're featured they're in Shattered f- Empire. Yeah. Yep. So, like, I think that they're... I, I often ask myself, who is this book for uh, when it comes to Star Wars books? Because sometimes it's a bit of a question mark to me. And in in this part of the book, this was definitely a question mark because if you've never read anything else of Poe, you're not going to have any connection to the pain that they're feeling, to the grief that we're feeling, because you don't know Sharbe. Um, And I'm not saying, like, we should have had eight chapters of Sharbe's adventures, but... Um, 
I don't feel like we authentically got to understand who she was um, in order for us to have that section of the book pay off in a really meaningful way. And because of that, it makes the, look, it's another dead mom, um, a bit more evident and frustrating as a reader and just as a fan who is a woman who just wants to see women live uh, in the Star Wars happily, please, if possible. Um, so yeah, it's kind of frustrating. Kyle, do you think Shara's absence from this book uh, was a really big missed opportunity? And do you think maybe having her actually within the book could have changed the quality of, of the story? Is there something that is like, why do you, why did you think the author maybe made the choice to include Poe's dad as being the character that's trying to bring him home as opposed to Poe's mom and having Kess die eight years ago? Well, um, I think, and first of all, I agree with both everything both of you both said about like, we need to stop killing moms in Star Wars, please. And, um, I think it, like you mentioned earlier, Brad, like this is a hyper-masculine story. Um, and this whole like, you know, be a man, you know, type thing with Poe, they wanted to kind of emphasize that with the father. And I don't, I don't understand that. That's something I really disagree with because, you know, you don't need to throw in some cheap thing like killing the mom to add some this, this underlying tension and sadness. You know, teenagers are conflicted and angry and confused enough. You know, you can have two parents struggling together to try to raise a child, and Poe would have could have had the same exact mannerisms, um, the same exact behavior of rebellion and wanting to get off there with his mom there too. And can you imagine how cool that would have been if it would have been this chase across the galaxy to find Poe with you know Shara leading, you know, piloting her and Kess and and uh, Lulu. Like, it's the same type of thing when they killed Val and Solo. I'm like, why did you do that? Like, we could have a whole movie with her. She could have been Beckett. You know, like, it's just, it's, this is, that's kind of the thing that, that drove me crazy is it just is like, I don't understand any, I mean, maybe there's some, some grand thing that Charles Soule is telling in the Star Wars comics with Shara. And still, you know, like, you don't need to kill her, but maybe there was some, it was some sort of continuity thing that we don't know about that they had to established but still at the same time i'm yeah i'm baffled by it it's a huge missed opportunity and you know also could have imparted uh you know a really great feminine aspect that's important for young men that are growing up to have like so not not saying that like people that don't grow up with a mom don't get that but you know if she's there if she's in the canon like why not use her so especially with her you know her background as well i just i i think that's a fantastic fantastic point um teenagers are messes all by themselves um and and i think having two parents alive and also having disagreements with their son and having disagreements as people is authentic to the human experience you know too uh many people experience that in their own adult and teenage lives and in both of those roles and so I think it's a dynamic that feels unexplored within Star Wars. Um, and we didn't need the the man pain in order for Poe to to go want to go on an adventure and to want to make a change in his life. So yeah, I I, I mean I think what you said was spot on. Yeah, beautifully said, Kyle. You could have still had Shara alive wanting that adventure for Poe and Cass not wanting that, right? 
and them butting heads together at home and Poe's just like, I've had enough of you two fighting. And that's that's his catalyst to leave Yavin 4. That's his catalyst to just kind of be rebellious, right? Because when your parents want differing things for you, you kind of just like want to do what you want to do no matter what either of them are telling you. At least that's I mean, that's not necessarily my experience, but I could see like how a teenager could feel that way. Um, so it, it does make you wonder. And it now makes me think, how awesome would it have been if we saw Zeva fight Shara Bay at the end of the book? Maybe not kill each other, but just have a battle of sorts, right? Like a battle of wits, a battle of like protecting their kids, and maybe they both live and, and do their thing, but it's, it's sort of this like big clash of power between two like really strong like female characters. It could, could also be, fascinating. be a, a clash of perspective on parenting. Yeah, you know, yeah. Uh, or protection. So I, I that's actually a very interesting idea. Yeah. Well, I will put that in my uh, fanon category for now. So it's going to stay there for quite some time. What did work in this book is some of the new characters. So we got EV6B6, which is one of the uh, sassier droids that were just recently added to Star Wars. And Sela Troon, as Kyle mentioned earlier, she's a New Republic Security Bureau officer with a history uh, alongside the Spice Runners of Kajimi, who had killed her family and her younger brother, which uh, was a, a really emotional story to read about. But um, Sarah, what did you think of these two characters uh, and kind of what they added to the story in the Star Wars universe? I think that uh, Evie really provided some of the best moments in this book because she was very much unlike droids that we had seen before because her whole thing was like, oh, I'm really sorry. I I thought I was helping, but I have a different master and I can't really help you right now kind of a thing. And I, I thought that was pretty humorous. And um, at some, one point, she has a great line about teamwork um, that I think is pretty valuable. Hold on. Let's see if I can find it. Nope. Um, but yeah, she has a couple of great lines about teamwork and has some funny quips. And I was sometimes frustrated by the way that people reacted, Poe, reacted to her but I was really grateful for her inclusion in the story. And Selatrum was another really interesting character because she was a part of this, um, you know, still kind of military industrial complex system within the New Republic, um, which makes her an interesting figure within the confines of, uh, or within the frame of how we look at these forms of government uh, and how she is going about her path and desiring justice. Um, and I think the idea of justice is another kind of interesting one that gets floated throughout this book. Um, but yeah, her story is interesting. And I, I wish that we had gotten to see a little bit more of it or got a little bit different um, moment of not the, the, this is my villain origin story kind of a moment where like mm -hmm. it's not exactly the villain monologue, but it was like the, uh, you know, <laughs> yeah. I, somebody killed so-and-so and, -so and yeah. now I'm, yeah, we got a little bit of that, but the bones of this character are very interesting. And I think bring mm -hmm. up a really good um, and kind of new dynamic within this new Republic era. Yeah, absolutely. What, what were your thoughts, Kyle, on these two characters? I know you were a big fan of uh, Evie. Yeah, I loved Evie and um, like she, you know, the the humor that she brought to so many moments, and then also just how she was. I mean, I I'm sh was trying to think of like the right like 
maybe guardian in a way, but like of like she she I got a sense she was kind of protective of both Poe and Zori, which I found really endearing. And I've come to really appreciate and love droids a lot more too. I feel like that's you know, with a lot of these newer Star Wars stories we're getting, we're getting these this great kind of story about what it means to be a droid and, and what it means to be an artificial being in a galaxy far, far away. Uh and um I liked Sala a lot too because she was just but I agree, like there there could have been so much more done with her character, but I liked that she provided she would just kind of show up like I found myself every time that they were doing a job or something like oh I wonder where she is like what's she doing right now is she going to show up here all of a sudden and I I found myself thinking about her a lot kind of in, in the background and I also like how they kind of kept her she she's older than Poe and Zori but they she's younger as well and she's also somebody who has not necessarily something to prove in a way but is trying to make choices to uh, you know accomplish these things she she feels like she's bound and determined because of what happened to her family to get these spice runners there and and finding her dealing with that but at the same time having the dilemma of wanting to have uh wanting to protect poe because she knows his his story as well was was an interesting dynamic to throw in there and i i felt like he did a good job of of writing the character as well but i wish we would have had a lot more I would say not exactly trying to prove herself, but trying to be seen in the way that she wanted to be seen. Yes. Because she is, I, it says that she's about, I think I want to say in her early 20s. So she's definitely young and she's younger than her peers, seems to have a really high status and a high rank, but gets um, looked over a lot because they go, oh, she's, she's young, you know? And I think... I feel that experience authentically in the sense that like I'm begging for people to just take me seriously as a person like you know like I have a degree I'm knowledgeable I'm not an idiot I'm not you know not a joke so I like I understand that experience at least internally and I thought that was a really interesting facet of her character that um made it interesting for a YA YA novel that she was aged up but just enough that she wasn't quite an adult in the eyes of the book yeah Mm -hmm. yeah and that's i totally agree that's a much better way to say what i was what i was thinking as well to me sayla also sort of represented an opposite or an inverted character relative to poe uh because sayla is almost like the person poe was on his path towards becoming maybe kind of like the the very like proper like gonna not live a super adventurous risky life but sort of follow in his parents footsteps in terms of working for the republic and maybe uh in- instituting some sort of, of like order organization to this new world that we're living in and i think that's very much Sela's mo and she lost her what i thought what made me think of that is when she lost her brother and the book it, it uses the phrase guiding light to refer to her brother Gaethel. And that's the same exact kind of wording that Poe used to refer to his mom. And he said on, uh, he said that she was a hero to him, a light he was always drawn to, a source he drew strength from. So to me, it seemed like both these characters had somebody that was their quote guiding light that they lost. Um, we see Sela use that and kind of motivate her to bring 
the bad parts of galaxy and of the galaxy in line and then poe kind of uses that in the complete polar opposite direction of joining that part of the of the galaxy and becoming a spice runner and kind of taking out his angst in that way so i just kind of thought that was interesting that when they finally do kind of clash heads she kind of knows where he's been and like what his emotions are she understands that and at, at one point she says she she thinks about having sympathy for him because she understands the sort of uh young lost uh feeling that he has and like wanting to eagerly follow this uh this ethos that he's just being exposed to and believing in she's like i've been there i i understand but you don't have to go this way you know you, like even though she doesn't really necessarily want the best thing for him and, and is just going to lock him up and get all the answers she can out of him, she still understands his motivations and what he's feeling. So I thought that was a fascinating dynamic with her. One of the things that didn't work for me personally, and, and Sarah, you can hit off with this one, Poe and Zori's relationship. I think there was something there. I think it didn't quite hit the nail on the head and it almost kind of was a bit problematic i'm a little beating around the bush there it was problematic in many senses and and how i read it but sarah why don't you why don't you kick it off with with this relationship okay so as kyle mentioned earlier this book kind of lacks depth uh it does feel pretty surface level in a lot of ways and i think one of the ways where we get that um, most clearly is within the characters' emotions and understanding how they're feeling and who they are. And so when this relationship happened, I was very surprised because I thought to myself, where in God's good name is this coming from? I didn't understand where we had gotten these emotions from these characters towards these other characters throughout this whole book. And then I had been highlighting something also throughout the book that I really, really struggled with as a reader, as a woman reader. And I kind of realized that this is maybe the, how the author was telling us this and telling us that they had attraction to each other. And it is the use of the word woman and the use of the word man about Zori and Poe to each other uh, in their thoughts, as opposed to um, describing other facets of their personality or like appearance um you know it's not like oh she had really pretty eyes that stuck out to me and and you know made my heart flutter or whatever there are so many times there are at least five times i'm looking at it now where poe or zori mostly poe about zori will stop himself and say oh this girl no this woman they're 16 they're 16 no no 16 year old thinks that way i think i only realized that this is the way that the author was telling us that they were having these feelings about each other after reading the book and really thinking about why this showed up so many times. But to me, it signaled that I don't think the author has a great understanding of teenage emotion. Um, And uh, it didn't allow us to understand why the characters, why Poe and Zori were interested in each other. And as somebody who was kind of recently a teen uh, and reads a lot, um, I was really bothered by the use of woman because it kind of objectifies and it kind of sexualizes these characters um especially uh with a quote that said she and poe in close in age and were close in age but zori talked and moved like a woman twice as old what is that telling me 
as a reader? Is that telling me that she moves confidently? Is that telling me that her hips sway and that, you know, her body moves? I, I like this is one of the things that I think really stuck out to me and why I really have a problem with this book at the end of the day and why I kind of rate it so lowly is is because the lack of emotion in this relationship and this word choice in particular really continues to bother me. And mm-hmm. as a book pointed towards teens, I don't like this language for teen readers. There are endless teen coming of age stories and teen romances that handle attraction really, really well uh, and handle these characters having authentic emotion really, really well. And this book is just really not that. And for that reason, I wish that this romance had not been included. I don't, I don't think it was uh, useful. I think they could have been entirely platonic and that the relationship of them being a good team wouldn't have changed. So yeah, I have a really, I have a really big problem with this, and this is one of the things that, like, I'm really left with as a reader, and it's a, it's a, it's a sour taste in my mouth about this book because of this. Okay, that's all. Rant over. <laughs> no, that's great. I, I agree with everything you said, and it, it definitely opens my eyes to some of the even more problematic nature of the relationship. And I think if you're really looking for a good teenage love story in the Star Wars universe, let me point you to Crash of Fate by Zoraida Cordova. That is a really good book that achieves, I think, what Sarah probably would have wanted to come from this relationship, but didn't. And I think the the problem with the Zuri and Poe relationship in the book is, like I said earlier, because it's so male gaze focused, because it's so hyper-masculine, it almost felt like many of their interactions, Poe was sort of treating her as if she were some object to win, which I was like not a huge fan of some of the language that was being used to to imply that. It, it kind of rubbed me the wrong way in a lot of different parts. And I think, Sarah, the, lang- the specific language that you point out uh, is, is a prime example of that. But uh, Kyle, did the, did the relationship work for you? Or did it not work? Do you think that it could have, uh, it, it kind of fell short of being fully convincing to the extent of something like a, like a Han and Leia or like, a, a, like a, something in a crash of fate? Um, what were your thoughts on the romance? Um, it, it didn't work for me at all. Um, I thought it was totally unnecessary. And, and Sarah, I'm really grateful that you pointed that out because that's something that totally flew over my head, um, the, the language um, aspect of it. And that makes it even more, more troubling and problematic for me. Um, but I, I thought it was treated like an item on a checklist. Um, like it was like, and I didn't think that that was necessary. I don't think there's anything, you know, there's kind of that jokey moment at the end of Rise of Skywalker where he hints like, hey, you want to hug and kiss or something? But I, I don't think they needed to have this kind of half-baked romance thrown into the, not even half-baked <laughs> romance thrown into the novel. Uh, there was no, they could have done, they could have added the same gravity to their relationship and, you know, the betrayal that Zori feels that we see that she's felt in the rise of Skywalker and feels at the end of this novel, if they'd just been really good friends. And I think that you could have done a lot more exploration of that relationship with them just being friends. I mean, I think my favorite moments when they were interacting were just them, you know, in a, in a platonic sense. So, uh, yeah, I, I wasn't a fan of this at all. And, you know, it didn't, it, it didn't feel like, Alex, you know, I, I haven't read any of, of his other books, and I don't mean to like attack the author of anything, but it didn't feel like he really enjoyed writing it either. It was, it felt like maybe it was just something he felt like he needed to include for some reason, and it didn't, it really took away from 
each character and also from the bond that we're supposed to kind of buy into from this novel. Mm -hmm. And you got to wonder too, to what extent is he kind of pigeonholed to write that, you know, because it is introduced in the rise of Skywalker, like you said, and it is hinted at. So at that point, is it kind of like, Hey, you have to write this element of the story. And he kind of has no choice at that point. Um, It does make you wonder like what some of the, like the behind the scenes story group decisions even look like. Um, Cause I'm a huge Finn Poe. I, I love, I want gay, I want gay Poe. <laughs> That's what I yes. want. Yeah. And would... uh, Rise of Skywalker kind of felt like a, just a, a beat, over, beat you over the head to say, hey, Poe is straight. And that's it. That's final. Um, which I don't like that. I think sexuality should be fluid and you should kind of feel and love who you want to love because love is love. And that's my story. Sarah, what were you going to say? Um, I mean, y- yeah. Y- yeah. I agree with your trust thoughts. And I think that the moment at the end of rise of skywalker where he's kind of giving her some eyes and be like let's go over there and and she's like no that's <laughs> that's kind of poe's nature in a sense and it's too. funny it is funny it, i mean like, it's kind it's of a funny, funny moment. moment and it's also just you know i think finn poe is a very popular ship and a very popular headcanon in general and so people already see him as somebody who is not necessarily straight and in this relationship doesn't give me any reason to like buy into that idea or buy into his emotions. And I think when we talk about, you know, the depth of this book, it's 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 just really the emotional pull. This romance could have worked, you know, it it had the potential to work, I guess, you know, but um it it really did not land. Mm-hmm. Uh I would I would agree with you. I, I don't I don't know. We, yeah. It's 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 weird because um it does feel like an aspect of the story that was like, oh, we gotta explain this thing from the movie, as opposed to an authentic character choice, um, or authentic motive. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. And again, I think that's kind of where like we said right up front is it is exactly that, right? It's like, hey, we gotta explain all these things. We gotta include Babu Frick, we gotta include the romance we got to include Kajimi, uh, you know Zori Bliss's helmet came from her mom. It all has to be light explained, speed right? Skipping. Light speed skipping. Yeah, hey Poe, have you skipping. ever heard of light Favorite. speed skipping? That was actually Looks a line right at camera. That was yeah. <laughs> that was a line. He I was winks like, oh like Roger God. Moore or something. <laughs> yeah, it, it, it's interesting, but I want to kind of jump now to our our final thought here of what worked, and that would be Zori Bliss herself. I think I actually would have rather maybe preferred a Zori Bliss book, which would have been really cool to just learn about her as a spice runner and no involvement of Poe whatsoever. Again, we, as Sarah said, we've had much of his past explored through the Charles Soule comics and uh, even some of the Star Wars adventure uh, comics. So I feel like that ground has been covered pretty heavily, but to learn about Zori Bliss, because there were some very compelling things about her story one of the things that I really loved the most was her animal scream. Every single time something was happening, it would be this animal scream. And I just imagine uh, like her running in like hand over head and just, you know, slamming down a sword or something crazy like that. And she just seems like such a badass. And there's one line that I actually loved. And it said, the scream wasn't laced with shock. It seemed to come from the base of her very soul from a pure animalistic hatred. Poe would never have guessed her capable of. So, that was I read that and I was like, dang, those are some good words in this book. Like there, there are certain parts where it's like, all right, that that's pretty poetic and great. 
And uh, she is just one example of that and seeing how she struggles again with choice and she feels like the spice running life has already been made up for her. Like it was interesting to see her grapple with that and at the end make the choice to want to reform the spice runners with Poe and give him a chance. And ultimately it kind of backfires at her because then he makes his choice. And um, I, I would have loved to see her deal with that and deal with a mother who had expectations of her that were very high and mighty. And that, that would have been a compelling story. Yeah. And I think I'll say that I had the same thought you did while reading this book and that this should have been a Zori Bliss book because, I mean, she, there are some moments here where we realize that she's been adopting this other name as to not give away her identity as like the daughter of the head of the Spice Runners, at least to Poe. Um, everybody else seems to know who she is except for Poe. So I don't know why she has this different last name. But, um, you know, there's this identity part and there's this uh, wanting to get get up through the Spice Runners based on her own merit and not because she has the name um, under the leader. And her relationship with her mom is pretty interesting. and. She is kind of a badass, and and I think you're right about the animal scream. I know people talk a lot about loving feral Ray, um, <laughs> like angry yelling Ray. I mean, this is the same kind of idea. Oh, like, love that give shot me, so much. Like, <laughs> so give me good. a character who isn't confined by her emotions, but is uh, like wraps her arm around all of her emotions, and I think we get that when we get that tidbit and i think we also get a little bit of that in the text that i hate so much um about you know her being a woman um but there is a sentence where it says with the wide-eyed and eager teen had been swiftly replaced with a strong focused driven woman and those are are really interesting qualities and you know being focused and driven and strong and also being wide-eyed and eager like there's so much depth that I think can come from those qualities and how she came to adopt those things in her into her personality and, and why she has to act in a cer this certain way in order to um, be able to be a successful spice runner. So yeah, I kind of just wish this was a Zori book because again, mm -hmm. Poe, a ton of content, Zori, brand new character. And um, while we got bits of her in here, I think a whole novel from her point of view, even if it was the same story that we got in this book uh would have been a more interesting story overall yeah she is a messy character i, I love that and uh, kyle what did you think about her sort of ferocity and 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 what this book added to uh uh to that character well i i absolutely agree with you both and if you asked me earlier too like if i picked up something in the second read and i think touching on what both of you have said like this I would much rather this, this, this felt more like a Zori Bliss. I got more out of that character in this, from this story than I did from Poe. And this, I love the ferocity. I love the scream. I love that she is just kind of dives into the, like whatever is thrown at her. And it's, you know, not only not for, she's also very selfless in the way that she does it too. She really does believe that there is some greater good to this order of spice runners. Not that it's like the most moral thing to do, but you know, in her, from her perspective, they're living in a very immoral galaxy in a way, you know, I thought that was one thing that was interesting is that a lot of people don't, a lot of people in her circle don't really differentiate between 
the empire and the new republic. It's just like, okay, these people are in charge right now. We're still going to do what we're, we're going to do. Um, and I thought that seeing her kind of at the very end of the book where the word ends, it leaves her in an incredibly interesting place that if they wanted to pick up more stories, oh, I would like, please sign me up, send me that book, send me that comic series or that, you know, I don't know what Carrie Russell's doing right now, but well, I guess she'd be a little too old to play, but like, I would love more stories. That would be a, a great way to explore, you know, the galaxy at that point in time, mm -hmm. which is pretty much untouched right now. So, um, damn, I would have loved a Carrie Russell narrated audiobook. <laughs> oh, well, I heard her. That was that was a thing that Carrie Russell's performance was so effective. And I'm a huge Americans fan. Um, so like I had her voice in my head the entire time, which when when she was when she, any sort of dialogue. So that helped out a lot. Yeah. And I got to say that my favorite part of Tross, one of my favorite parts is that discussion between Zori and Poe. It is like one of the as much as I dislike the movie, it is actually one of my favorite parts of the sequel trilogy because that that whole conversation where she like puts the visor down you get to see her eyes and you get to, like that's just so and it kind of takes poe back he's like shocked almost to see like her opening back up to him after what we see happen in this book and then just say you know there's more of us like we can do good remember all the way back then when i told you that the galaxy isn't black or white there's just it's a, just a giant gray mess now we fast forward and she's telling him hey this is actually what we can do we can make some good in the galaxy we can right those wrongs that we previously weren't can't walk out on this war. Not till it's over. Maybe it is. We sent out a call for help at the Battle of Crate. Nobody came. Everyone's so afraid. They've given up. No, I don't believe you believe that. Hey. They win by making you think you're alone. Remember? There's more of us. Yeah, and, and you hit on the scene that I was also thinking about. Um, one I, brain I cell. Really f <laughs> one brain cell. You just share it. I throw it to the other side of the Zoom. You throw it back. Um, no, but I, I really do think that Zori's character in this book is the most authentic to her character you know, in the movie, I, I I feel there was a disconnect between book teen book Poe and adult book and adult movie and adult comic Poe. Um, not in the sense that like, uh, oh, they're just growing, but like I I felt they were different people until there are 380 pages in this book. I took a note and I said I finally heard Poe's voice in this book on page 375. Um, and and so like I think that's. The trouble with me in this book is like I really did not feel Poe's voice until very late in it. And I felt that with Zori's character, um, seeing her in the movie versus seeing her much younger in this book, I understand both points A and B. I understand her as a young person and I understand her as an adult because there is that bit of development when she is having that conversation with Poe. There's still that um, as, as you said, Kyle, that selflessness of, you know, her giving him the, the medallion, the coin that allows them to do, do the next step of the, the plan and get in where they need to get in. Um, but her saying, you know, there is actually a cause here. Um, 
where she wasn't necessarily willing to commit to a cause um, beyond the Spice Runners as a young person. Um, so, like, I think that's an interesting development and uh, something that you can see as a through line mm-hmm. between the book and the movie, however many yeah. years later. I would have just loved it. Kajimi, the entire book, all about Zori and why she feels so attached to that planet and the children of the planet that are getting taken by the First Order and kind of having, again, still have those elements of, of enslavement uh, like, we, like we saw with Poe and her. And uh, it could have been such a powerful uh, book that we get to explore those concepts that we were talking about and uh, to have it within the context of this brand new character that we don't know too much about. It would have been really fascinating. Also, I noted that we got the words die vendu monastery in oh, this book yeah good call. that was good call that was also in the tross novelization ray alex i need more i need to know what it is yeah. i need to know the ins and outs of that and that's where where you were saying just now about the kajimi um kind of idea and the children and the first order the die vendu monastery a fascinating piece of middle of the force that you know we get a little bit in and rebels with with the bendu um but like oh i would have loved to just get a little nugget of that yeah. past the mention but more. i loved the mention well i i think we've talked quite a bit about the book and i i feel pretty confident in in the things that you know worked and didn't work and i i think really ultimately my, my thought on the book is uh it had things that could have been promising uh just falling short um with no kind of feeling of of like true cohesion or or um uh like true overarching vision i guess it kind of felt a little bit all over the place but i i I do think it still has some like really great elements to it like we were talking about so to kind of wrap up the discussion on this book what are each of your thought overall thoughts on the book just to kind of sum up how you're feeling after we talked it through and what do you think is maybe next for publishing if we're going to focus on some of these sequel trilogy characters do you want to see a ray or finn book do you want to see a book about Jan- Jana or zori bliss instead like should we kind of start branching out from some of these legacy characters or do we need to know more about them kyle let's let's head to you first um yeah so the book to me and i think we've we've all kind of said this in our own way it did feel it felt unnecessary and it felt like it was just kind of a retcon in a way. I mean, there are some things that I loved about the book or some moments, but overall the the story just didn't, you know, do do too much for me. It felt um very very predictable in, in a lot of ways too. Um as far as like where we're going with um like sequel trilogy characters or, or legacy characters, I'd say that you know, Finn and Rose, uh, Rose especially could, and, and Jana as well. I, those are the characters that I left the Rise of Skywalker feeling like, you know, I'd, I'd like to know a little bit more. I'd like to know, you know, whether that's before we meet them in the sequel trilogy or what comes after or what happens between the films. Um, especially Rose, she has such an interesting backstory with her sister and with you know, seeing the First Order just kind of decimate her planet and also being involved in the small resistance that was going on in her planet until she could join the the greater resistance. I think that's a really compelling story that that people could have a lot of fun with. Um, so, yeah, that's kind of where um, that's where I would like to see it go. Obviously, you know, I'd love to hear more about Ray and and, you know, 
get some more information about Ben Solo too, but I feel like these characters really that didn't get a lot of attention um, in you know the the on-screen storytelling would be would be great to have have that. Yeah, I would say that overall, my thought on the book, as I've said it multiple times, is I really just wish there was more depth of emotion, and I think it would have changed how I felt about this book in in a major way if we really kind of understood the characters and if we didn't skip over the meaty parts of relationship dynamics because there were a couple couple of time skips where they they go oh and by the way uh their relationship has really changed they're really grumpy at each other now and I'm like okay but I want to know how they got grumpy at each other show me that you know uh so I wish we had really dived into the emotions of these characters uh in an authentic way that connects us to them instead of making them feel kind of distant by not kind of giving that to us as readers. Um, I think when it comes to the sequel trilogy, uh, Kyle, you've mentioned a lot of great points. Uh, I definitely agree, as I mentioned earlier, about Rose. I love her. Um, I think she should get everything. And um, (laughs) I really think that uh, I would love personally to see less in the fight leaders and more in the fight behind the scenes people i think that's part of the reason i love rose as a character so much because she's not she's not giving the speeches um and i would love to see more of those kind of characters Mm -hmm. um who are doing the good fight or doing the bad fight but you know kind of aren't at the forefront of that so that's what i'd love to get i also really love um politics in star wars so I would love to see more um, books that give us more of, you know, Stella Troon and um, the New Republic Security Bureau and the government and um, the messiness. We talked about this with when it comes to Shadowfall as well and Alphabet Squadron, the messiness of putting something back together um, after you've ended this war now there's got to be this whole period of yeah okay what do we do next we got to build a government we got to do this so that's that's what really interests me as um as a reader and as a fan and i hope we get more of that because books like bloodline are just so good Uh um uh, and both have that great character um and the great politics so Mm If anybody's listening, <laughs> I will read all of the political books. Thanks yeah, for big time. I agree with you big time there, Sarah. I would love more of those. Absolutely. And that's also one other thing that worked well in the book is, is Alex did a good job of kind of fleshing out what the galaxy looked like, at least from a criminal perspective. And you do have such a long time period between Return of the Jedi and Force Awakens. So I think there is a lot of storytelling potential there that won't just focus on many of the legacy characters. So what, what does that galaxy look like you know this this evil that leia talks about in her final speech to the senate she says it's it's always going to be there and you have to call it out no matter how scared you are or how hurt you might become we have to stand for what we believe in because um if we don't we we are going to follow those same elements that brought down the first republic so i want to see more of that i want to see more of a messy political drama Give me like the West Wing and Star Wars <laughs> and have it take place post Return of the Jedi because that would be spicy. That would be super spicy. And I hope we get many more of those stories to come. All right, guys, this was fun. This was fun. Yeah. I enjoyed, I actually enjoyed talking about this book more than I thought I would. And I, uh, Kyle, 
thank you for coming on the show. You know, your very first time on Friends of the Forest. It was such a pleasure to, to have you on here. So where can our listeners find uh, you online and read more of your Star Wars opinions? Yeah, thank you both so much for having me. It was, it was so great to be here and talk about this. And I enjoyed talking about this book a lot more than I thought I would do. Um, you can find me on uh, Twitter at uh, Kyle D. Larson. And I also write for Star Wars Newsnet and recently started writing for What the Force. So uh, uh, I don't have any articles up there quite yet, but there will be some in the coming weeks, I believe. Um, so yeah, that's, that's awesome. my deal. You're always welcome back. So anytime you want to talk Star Wars, yeah. you are now a friend of the Force. So welcome. Oh, well, thank you. Thank you very much. And yeah, let me know. I'll be here. You were a friend of the Force before, but now you're like, official, you know, you're like the official. It's like the, right, uh, you're badge. an inductee. <laughs> yeah i'll get to touch with you resume. about the soy boy uh club later too you can we, oh. yeah right yes <laughs> let me tell you the first time yeah i've i welcome to the club so i always yeah. joke and oh. say i'm more of an almond milk boy than a soy boy <laughs> <laughs> i was the, that was my first time getting called the soy boy on twitter the other day and let me tell you i will wear it like a badge of honor it's was a good it one. really yeah, I think Man, so. Man, I got called so. a soy boy like a year and a half ago. Where have you been? <laughs> the guy saves my picture I'm not even phone, a boy. posted it on my replies and said, look at that smile full of soy. And I actually wow. have never felt like I've been more complimented in my life. So thank you, Darth Revan picture. Sarah, where can our <laughs> listeners find you on the internet? And what do you have coming up that you want to talk about? You can find me on the internet at SEH221 on Twitter, Instagram, uh, Letterboxd. Goodreads and on YouTube at Sarah Vlogs Thoughts, where I am talking about books now. Hopefully, I will get on a more regular upload schedule. But yeah, you can expect me to talk a little bit more about um, this book and others on that channel, um, Star Wars and not. So if you love to read outside of Star Wars and inside of Star Wars, follow me there. That's a new thing I'm doing um, just for funsies. Uh, do I have anything else coming up? Oh! We have Remembering Resistance Day oh, yeah. on August 29th. That's the thing we're doing. Well, fun. Um, yeah, so that's on August 29th. Uh, Brad and I, as hosts of Bebo's Book Report, here on this year, Friends of the Force, um, are hosting hashtag Remembering Resistance. And uh, if you're a Resistance fan like us, then please join us in using that hashtag on August 29th. Share your cosplay, your art, your fic, um, your thoughts on the series. Any, anything you want. We're just going to celebrate Resistance and uh, share our love for it. And hopefully um, we get to all do that together. So, yeah. Some people think we have the power to resurrect the show, which I, I'm really happy about. I'm glad people think that. And if we spread the hashtag, maybe we will. Who knows? Let's try it out. Let's <laughs> see if we can, we can bring Resistance back just like we want to bring Ben Solo back. So no one's ever really gone, Sarah. Let's try it out. Everybody Me participate too. on the 29th. More That's great, you content. Too. I'm excited to check that out. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's going to be a fun day. So um, it's, it's just under a month now. But uh, all that and more coming up ahead. Again, Friends of the Forest, we got new episodes every Monday. You can find us on Twitter, Instagram, and YouTube. And you can also join our Patreon at patreon.com slash friends of the force. So thank you to all the wonderful patrons who make this show possible. We have Amy, Anna, Cheryl, Deborah, Donnie, Ella G, Marie Claire, Michael, Neil, Rachel, Sarah, and T. So that is all for this week. Sarah and Kyle, once again, thank you so much for becoming a friend of the force and joining me on the show today. And for all of you listening, wear your mask, stay hydrated. And until next time, we are ones with the force. We are friends of the force. And may the force be with you always. Bye. Bye. Bye.
Friends of the Force is a proud member of the Star Wars Escape Pods Network. To learn more about our sister shows, find us on Twitter at We Are Escape Pods. The Star Wars Escape Pods Network, promoting positivity in fandom.